0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May podcast. It's a dizzying podcast, as you can see, the way Austin Ward, my able-bodied co-pilot, was reacting there to that to that twirl. But hey, Austin, how
1: you doing, my man? Great. Just uh, no more loops in midair, all right? Just slow and steady. Yeah.
0: I love the aileron roll, man. That's my favorite uh, little maneuver, because just when you think you know it's coming, you don't. Uh <laughs> But anyway, let's just jump into it here real quick. Uh, uh, Last week was an interesting week in Ohio State football history, in my opinion, because we got to talk a little bit about the defensive line and the guys that are coming along. I wrote a story for you about uh, 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 Talik Williams. Uh, Our buddy Spencer Holbrook wrote a story about Mike Hall. Those two guys could be on everybody's lips this time of year from now. I don't know if you agree, Uh, but – my my point is, but we also got to watch a uh, pro day, and I wanted to ask you this before we move on to my my special guest this week, uh, which I did a little segment with Garrett Wilson, his mom uh, Candice, and his dad Ken Kenneth Kenny. Just don't call him late for the basketball, Jim. Guy was a hell of a player at uh, at Davidson before Steph Curry. <laughs> I digress. That'll be the only time I say that this this podcast, or at least in this part of the podcast.
1: Get it out of the uh, way early.
0: Yeah, but I wanted to ask you before we move on uh, to that. Um, who? And this is kind of a loaded question. Who jumped out at you? Who jumped out at you in that pro day at the Ohio State University in the co- co- comfortable confines of the Woody Hayes Athletic, Athletic Center indoor field?
1: Wow, I, I think you know the answer to that.
0: Okay, Master Teague, I agree. <laughs> Master, actually, Master Teague did stand out. He
1: did stand he out. Great, he had a great workout. But oh my
0: goodness, but oh my goodness, I'm watching some of these workouts right now. I'm jumping in there and answering your question for it. You know, I'm watching some of these quarterback workouts from around the country. I've watched them on video that pop up on Twitter, and you can get them on YouTube and stuff. Go ahead with your answer.
1: Yeah, C.J. Stroud would be the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft if he was eligible for it right now. And, you know, obviously he got to take advantage of this situation. We've seen this increasingly over the last couple of years because Chris Olavi and Garrett Wilson needed, you know, a quarterback to go throw for him, and Cardale Jones could have done that, and he did that for some other people last Wednesday. But, uh, I mean, with every team and every league in, on, in North America uh, coming in there to watch what can happen, uh, with those two, the guy throwing the football, anybody that needs a quarterback um, might think about just waiting a year. And I know that that's uh, unfortunate for anyone who's – let's say, the Carolina Panthers or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, uh, you know, if you you don't want to think about tanking, but you look at C.J. Stroud compared to some of these other workouts and then project another year of physical and mental maturation of that, look out. I mean, my goodness. Um, you can tell that physically th- this winter workout, that he took that very seriously. Uh, you know that the mental part of the game and working with, Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson and Brian Hartline and Corey Dennis and the whole crew over there, uh, you know, the steps that he can take, get more comfortable just with reps. This, this guy's building for something special. And then, But just, just in shorts and a T-shirt, no pads and no defense, just routes on air, it's still jaw-dropping to see some of the things that he can do. And, you know, I joked with him as he walked off the field, and I think you did the same. Like, whose pro day was this? Yeah. Everybody, everybody there. Mike Drabel standing right behind him everybody was uh, watching him closer than anybody else that was working out. And that's not a knock on the other guys, not a knock no. on, a lot, not on Garrett Wilson, uh, the measurables that Master Teague put together, the blocking drills that you know, Ther Munford and Nick petit Frere did and Tyreek Smith and Haskell Garrett moving around. Hey, all those guys accomplished the things that they wanted to. It was a successful Ohio State Pro Day, but it's the one that's going to be back to do it again next year that had everybody really talking. Who knows? He may sit that one out. Hey, you
0: got a chance to come see me. You know, got a chance to come see me last year. You you missed it. Uh, But I'm serious. I mean, I've been around the game now for, what, I'm 60, just turned 68. So I've been around the game watching quarterbacks for 63 years, 64 years, and kind of understanding what's up. And then increasingly as it went, especially when I became a sports writer and got to watch practices up close and personal. I will tell you, the ball jumps out of C.J. Stroud's hand about as well as anybody I've ever seen. And to me, that is – I think that's a change from even this time a year ago when we were watching him throw. I mean, Ryan Day and Corey Dennis and uh, Mickey Marotti and everybody else who's associated uh, with getting these guys ready to play, he's definitely improved compared to even this time a year ago, in my opinion. I mean, remember this time a year ago, the jury was – I don't know whether he was going to be the starter with everybody except juror number three, uh, Austin Ward. And it was, it really wasn't out with me, but I just liked the conversation. (laughs) And when the head coach was saying it was still out, you know, the jury was still out and he was a jury foreman, you had to take him at his word. Right. Right. Uh, uh, Until he went back and looked at more evidence and decided, okay, guilty. CJ Stroud's the starter. Uh, I don't know why I jumped into that except to say that uh, he is so much in my opinion, so much more impressive than he was even this time of year ago, because this time of year ago, he looked a little bit skinny. I thought he threw the ball well, you know, back then. But now, man, he threw a 60-yard pass the other day that looked effortless. I know it's not. If you break it down, it's not. But the ball just came out of his hand uh, down the right sideline. And I just went – that is such a big-time throw people don't even know. And some of those deep outs he threw and deep uh, deep angle routes, deep corners he threw were right on the money. Uh, it was just – it was really stunning to see a guy cement his future while these other guys are trying to, like, hey, look at me.
1: But the point that you raised there, Tim, is a good one, and that is even though Ohio State generally, and Ryan Day specifically, knew – knew what they liked, knew what the potential would be with C.J. Stroud. Um, They still didn't know 100% that he could become what he was last year or this moving forward. You still have – I mean, you can have all the physical tools and it not translate. You can be able to decipher any defense and not still be able to make the decisions on game day. Nothing is ever guaranteed. And obviously you see that with the guys in their pro days and the history – of what happens when you go to the next level. That's the same sort of deal as taking a recruit and how great might he become at the college football level. You I mean, Tate Martell was as touted as any high school uh, quarterback ever was. Didn't ever translate at Ohio State or any of the other stops, and and now you see him out of the game entirely after uh, that final stop at UNLV. That's not to pick on Tate Martell. It's to illustrate how difficult it can be. Yep. So when you ask these guys and when, when you – you know, if you turn off a recorder and have a conversation with Ryan Day and the reason why you don't just take one guy in a class or skip a recruiting class because you have a five star. And the reason that you do it year after year is because you still don't know how all those pieces are going to fit together. And C.J. Stroud, as we're talking about this week, you knew, I felt like and I, but I'm not going to say new is not the right word. I felt like they they expected him to be the starter he was on the path to be the starter, and they weren't ready because you still have to let, you know, the chips fall and yep. see where see what what happens once it becomes real. And it wasn't a smooth ascent, uh, as we all know from what happened with the injury and early in the season, and you know, first half against Minnesota, and the you know, sitting out a week later in September. Um, that's a process. So it it would be, you know, it's it's inaccurate to say at this time a year ago. We would be feeling this strongly about C.J. Stroud and his chance to make this legacy and be the number one potential overall draft pick. I mean, it it wouldn't be unfair to have said those those were the expectations, but now that you can see how it could become a reality, that's different, and that's how much work has been done over the last twelve months and how far he's already come.
0: Yeah, you'll see uh, in the interview. The little time I spent with uh, Garrett Wilson, I, he brings up the fact that uh, he wasn't even a blip on the radar screen, and but he became a blip. And I, as, I, as I said, to Garrett, I'm giving away – I'm <laughs> giving a scoop here, which make you want. He beca- he wants to be a much bigger blip. You know, <laughs> he wants to be the blip, and uh, Blippo. You know that that I don't know if your kid watched Blippo, but uh, my my grandsons do. Uh, but uh, but that's another stupid thing. Uh, but the bottom line is, yeah, he wants to be that guy this year. He clearly does, and he he's embracing it. You know, he he's you know bring it on. You know, that's that's his approach. And I'm talking about CJ Stroud. And I, wow, I mean, I just think it uh, bodes well. Um, you know, for him and Ohio State. And real quick uh, before we move on to that uh, thing I did with Garrett Wilson and his family, you know, moments imp- impress me. In different ways. And I'm standing there on the field after I talked to uh, CJ after that workout. And some others came up and started talking to him. And I walked away and went on, started down the other way. And a guy stuck his hand out to shake hands with me. You know who it was? No, it wasn't a coach, or whatever. It was Kyle McCord. Yeah. And uh, that guy, man, he he's an impressive young man. And that battle, in fact, he's having a battle with Devin Brown, is so important to this Ohio state football team because we saw last year. Cal McCord had to play a whole game in place of CJ Stroud when they Definitely. finally let him rest that shoulder of his, and it's funny because that was probably from throwing the ball too much. When you really get right down to it, even before the preseason camp started, because CJ Stroud wanted to be so good last year, you could tell it. Uh, but I just like to, I just like a, you know, Cal McCord. It's not just because he walked up and said hi to me. It's just he understands, you know, what's going on. But number two he's a press of flesh kind of guy. He understands, uh, you know, that being – having some relationship with the media does, you know, it does count in one form or fashion. And uh, I don't know, you know, I, am I overstating that a little bit? I mean, I, I'm impressed by a lot of these young men that are on this football team now.
1: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, once you're stacking up examples like that, not just one yes. day, like the pro day. Not just that day, right. Just spend been that time with Kyle McCord. and And when we talk about, you know, him having a professional NFL, you know, type mentality, that's what we mean, you know, it's, yeah, sometimes you can't just point to one thing like that, but um, it's an example of the way he carries himself in public and in the locker room and the work ethic. And, uh, and th- this is another situation where you could look back to, you know, August and September for Kyle McCord. And, um, you know, if you ask any members of the coaching staff or people who are watching practice. There was a time after that when CJ Stroud goes back in where he had to deal with his own. Okay. Well, what am I going to do with my career? What does this mean to me? He started to plateau a little bit in the practices and, and you could, you know, sense Ryan day pushing him to get through that because they also know how high the potential is for this kid and what he could become at quarterback. Um, And I think, you know, based on what I've seen and what I've heard, He's worked through that as well, and I don't think there will be any real competition for Kyle McCord from Devin Brown, and that's not a knock on Brown. because another very talented kid that we've talked about, and and we like all the mental makeup from him and the physical tools once he bulks up a little bit more, and he's got this jump start going through spring, but the same – and I feel the same way about it uh, as I did last spring. Like Kyle McCord's not going to get beat out. Uh, for that second spot. And CJ Stroud is entrenched at number one. And I think that there's an understanding of how this succession order is going to work and how it can benefit everybody. That's great for Ohio state because, you know, it could have easily gone a different way. I mean, they still did lose two guys from that position in the off season, but the way that it worked out, you know, again, to use some truth serum, I don't think Ohio state would complain about the room that has been left with and what it can build around moving forward. Um, It's not like Quinn Ewers magically showed up at Texas and, uh, you know, was ready to go down there, or I don't know what will happen for Jack Miller, but you know, you knew you were never going to keep all four. Right. Uh, And if you were going to keep two, I think these guys have the best handle on on what that situation is going to be. And that again is not to say that those other two can't be very good because they were four and five-star recruits for a reason. And have a great chance, you know, elsewhere. But I think these two that are here understand what they're being asked to do, understand how to do it, understand a professional way to go about it, and have a great chance to capitalize on that, even if none of this is guaranteed for anybody.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, speaking of guarantees, speaking of athletic performance, uh, how do you like my segue there? I love it. Let's get to my conversation with Garrett Wilson. I mean, there's a guy – I tweeted a picture – uh, partway through that, or maybe it's been right after that, uh, the the pro day. He and Chris Olave, after catching some deep balls, went walking back up the sideline. I call, I I said I titled this uh, video "Rich Men Walking," <laughs> and uh, man, they look great in my opinion in the pro day. But like we said, the reason CJ Stroud kind of stole the day was because we already knew and the and the scouts all knew about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. <laughs> and now it's just a matter of who pulls the trigger when, who trades up to get them, uh, things like that because you look around the league and it's still, there's still a premium on big time elite wide receivers. Guys, it could be basically your number one, you yeah. know, and uh, a lot of people are scrambling right now just, to, just grabbing some number twos or going to try to make number ones. But we all know even, even number one receivers are different from number twos from a, from a talent standpoint. So let's get to my conversation with Garrett Wilson, just talking about a little bit about, the, about his workout, but also about coming up about that time when he decided he was a really – well, he was a great high school basketball player, obviously the son of, of, uh, of, of Ken Wilson, Kenny Wilson, who played at uh, Davidson, who was a really damn good – I think he's still fifth on the Davidson scoring list – uh, you know that produced the Curry's, so uh, uh, Steph Curry. So let's let's get to that conversation with uh, Garrett Wilson, his mom Candice, and then his dad Kenneth and Ken. And then we'll, you know, I keep calling him Ken, Kenneth, and Kenny. I never got clear because I called him all of those things while we were talking. He's a great guy, great conversationalist, as you well know. They lived in the Dublin area for quite a while before moving down to Lake Travis uh, High, Lake Travis High School, right outside of Austin, uh, for. For for Ken's work, but also that's where uh, Garrett Wilson plied his trade there in high school in the great state of Texas. Let's get to that conversation, and we'll be right back to talk about a few things.
2: I'm not gonna lie; we were kind of going a little more rapid fire than how we had prepared. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's going kind of one of, it was good to show our condition and stuff like that. But I know me and Chris were feeling it. So,
0: what did it mean to you to have CJ throwing you the ball? Occasion, I think you know. Obviously, Cardale jumped in there too. Yeah, but that's what? what did he you guys, you know, obviously missed the Rose Bowl together, yeah, but uh, I mean, it, one more shot, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it felt it felt comfortable. Um, I mean, we trained, practiced uh, th- all throughout the week this past week to get to this, you know, where we were crispy uh, for today, but, you know, C.J.'s something that's super special, and he drops it in there and makes it easy as a receiver, so. Yeah, Chris, hey,
0: Chris was saying that uh, C.J. might be playing as the traits of B. Oh, that oh
2: yeah, B. TV. yeah, C.J.'s got it, yeah, I'll be surprised if he's not, so. Uh, I mean, it was a blessing to play with him the last, you know, last season, and, I mean, have him on the team the year before that, and I mean, I can't wait to see what he does this next season.
0: What makes him such a good, spe- what makes him exactly. such a special quarterback? And yeah, like uh, uh, just like his mindset, you know, it's not a
2: lot of quarterbacks you see that carry a chip on their shoulder like that, you know, and he's someone that, uh, he doesn't, he, you know, he's not, he doesn't fly under the radar, but he, he, holds, the, he holds the chip on his shoulder like he does, you know, and I like that
0: about him. Yeah, he you wants know. to be a bigger blip on the radar, doesn't <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's where he's headed, right? Yeah, yeah. so I
2: mean, he's going to be a big dog now and. I feel like he's always kind of had the underdog mentality and I and I like that about him. It's special. Hey. Yeah, I mean it, I like I like being violent in and out of him, you know, kind of snap down and be able to get out in and out of things before they even, you know, notice, you know, that if you threaten someone with enough speed and, and you know, stop before them, they can't they can't really guard you know, well. so. Put a lot of pride in being able to stop before someone can can uh, stop, you know, as far as defense and you know being able to get in and out of breaks, all that. You know?
1: Leading leading up to the draft, you know, a lot of people like to compare prospects to receivers. Uh, regardless of that, is there anyone you like look up to uh, in the league? Uh, yeah, I'd say
2: yeah, probably my all-time favorite receiver is probably Stevie Johnson from mm-hmm. the Bills um, back in the day. Um, you know, I like a lot of, of what he did and just taking that. taking releases from me. really, I feel like he was ahead of his time. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to say comp, but as far as favorite player, like Cooper Cup and, and. uh and uh, Stevie Johnson. Sure. Is yeah. Cooper
0: Cup just because he gets open and makes the catch? I mean, what, what what's the attraction there that just oh, yeah. jumps off the it, chart? It's
2: all it's drill work that that got him there. You know, it's not yeah. it's not Calvin Johnson when you watch the dude six five and Megatron. You know, it's not Mag, Megatron yeah. where you know my fault where um, you can't you can't work at it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, it's hard to say, see Calvin Johnson playing, but like I want to play like that. You know, because this yeah. guy given a lot of it. Yeah. And uh, Cooper Cup, you know, is four six, but. It's precision in routes. It's uh, I've watched his you know his release uh, YouTube video, and I actually took that about a year and a half ago, and tried to add it to my own game. And I mean, it's just some you know he, you know he puts in the work, and it's, it's not as much god giving. So you know you can really drill the work that he does, and that's why I like it.
0: I asked your mom a while ago, or maybe something special, athletically, whatever, and she said five or six years old, just yeah. like I told her. My one of my kids was like that. But when did you, when did this flame start to burn for you, Garrett? To be not in the NFL, maybe, but even a first-round pick. I mean, yeah. when when did you know that you had the wherewithal if you worked at it?
2: Uh, probably when I first, you know, decided I wasn't going to play basketball um, as my as my main sport. Which know. was when? That was a uh, sophomore year. Yeah. Of high, of high school, you know, I really wanted to uh, focus on football, and you know, I had I had done well on varsity as a young as a young cat. So I kind of had a feeling that I was pretty good at this thing, and I started to get offers. But um, as far as first round goes, you know, I, I can't say I knew that until. Until probably the opening. Uh, you know, my senior year of uh going into senior year of high school where there was like all the great players around you and you know, I feel like I was still one of the best dudes there, you know, and that, that was one of the things where I used that to tell myself, like, okay, I belong, you know, and I can yeah. I can I can show out that type of thing. You but
0: want you, to, want, yeah. if you, if you want to like, travel
2: point, but honestly work? it was more of me being six foot. And you know, I, there's a whole lot more six foot receivers than there is six foot point guards. And that was just the uh the decision for me, you know, I gotta, gotta keep it real with myself. And I was, you know, I was a size 13 foot in seventh grade, but and I ain't get over six feet. I'm 5'11, so you know, according to day, I'm 5'11, man. It, it sucks. Hey, you know,
0: you remember Rick tight end, I don't know. He played basketball, and one of the quarterback coach here, then Walt Harris, told convinced him, you know, six foot seven guys in the NBA are a dime a dozen, yeah. Not but anymore. a six foot seven <laughs> tight end back then, you know, <laughs> exactly. And he was a first round draft pick, you yeah, know, you know, exactly. didn't I'm like, but the point was,
2: yeah, you know, it's he got to point, where he was though, good, like six seven. It puts you as an alien on a football field where you walk in a basketball room and you are just another guy. Pee wee, you know? yeah. And it, that's kind of my mindset. I was a business decision. I was five eleven, and uh, you know I feel like my basketball skills could help me a lot in
0: football. So. got One last question for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you strike me as this guy who understands this is just the next step, not the not the final. You know, a lot of people look forward to being a first round draft yeah. pick and bam they've made it. But you you have bigger ambitions, right? Yeah. I mean, where does yeah. that come from? How long has it been? Yeah, I mean, I've always,
2: you know, been a, been a competitor, and I've I've always been someone who wants to be the best at what they do. You know, just getting there ain't enough for me. So, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't stop there. Getting in the league, you know, it, that's one thing, but you know, playing that 10, 12 years, that's that's where the real success is at and that's where the real you know love is at and i love playing the game i, I want to do it for as long as i can so yeah. Yeah. Um, i'd be dumb not to do put everything towards that you know and that, that starts with their mindset so you know i, I want to i'm you know preparing myself to play 10 12 years and you know hopefully be one of the best to do it and you know that's how i approach things
0: just like cooper cup nobody handed him exactly. anything yeah. exactly yeah. you
2: gotta you gotta go do it man yeah. you know people are gonna tell you now nah, you got to you just got to try man so
0: hey i got you Hey, just tell me, tell me yeah. some real quick. When, when was the first time you saw that he could be like a special? Yeah like athlete you understand what I'm when yeah. did it dawn on you I mean I had a little kid that played baseball and he was five years old I went wait a minute
3: yeah well with him it was soccer basketball and football and everything he played it kind of was very easy to him and because he had the older brothers yeah I felt as though he just jumped right in and learned a lot from them yeah so I want to say it was probably similar like when he was five six years old and he just seemed to be calm with it he would go out there and uh, we'd all be going crazy in the stands or whatever and he would just be out there and say this is what we're
0: doing just doing his thing i yeah. mean naturally almost. almost right i mean yeah because I just want i wanted to ask you to see him grow from that to this to today when you're watching yeah. him show off mm-hmm. for one of another term <laughs> what is it what is the feeling inside for a mom um a lot of pride,
3: a little nervous a lot. A lot. I'm not going to lie about that because, you know, a lot of times you when know, it's somebody with the ball, everybody's trying to take the ball, <laughs> take In, it down. By so.
0: any means necessary. By yeah. any means necessary.
3: But I know he's doing what he loves. So I'm more proud and excited than anything else, for sure. What's up, Chris? <laughs> Good to see you on your camera. How are you doing? It's all right. Good. Well, you did amazing out there. Didn't you? <laughs> I know
0: is he to move to the NFL now, in your opinion?
3: Uh, in my opinion, I think he's going to do great. I really feel as though he gets along well with people. Okay. He takes good direction. It's going to be a learning curve, of course, but that's with anything. Yeah. Um, I think he's excited and ready for it. So he's just waiting for someone who wants him to be there, and he'll gravitate towards so it. He's great with people, so I think it's oh, yeah. going to be good. Hey, nice to meet nice you. To Thank meet you, you very much. You're very
0: welcome. your wife, Candace, about this, I wanted to ask you, uh, when did you notice that maybe garrett was a little bit special oh, what age was that like around about there, there was two
4: or three significant things one was when he was two or three years old he was playing with his brothers and they and they were throwing the ball around really hard and he was upset because they wouldn't throw it too hard and they started doing it and he started catching it and he was two three yeah. um, but the one that the thing that most noted i most noted was we were on a cruise. And we were playing basketball. This is back in the day when I could still really play. His brothers could really play. We were beating everybody all week. And so somebody got the idea that we should have five, a fifth player. So he was off to the side, and I said, OK, baby, come on. How old was he? 10. 10. And um, and it was we were playing against adults and guys that thought they could play. And he destroyed them. Um, threw their legs, threw his legs, jump shots, dishing ball off, just being great and and i said boy this and then the way he was so confident in himself the way he was moving the athleticism at that age yeah i, I knew yeah you played and, 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 and then one other side note his brothers are all really great athletes um, you know his older brother great athlete the other two brothers played college division one football and and he was something different than them and they're great athletes you
0: played college basketball correct mm-hmm. what was right. the
4: name of the school davidson Who's from Davidson besides you? It's Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we, we probably need to call Davidson Steph Curry you now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's probably given a lot to the school, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. A, lot yeah. Of, yeah. a lot of
4: pay-forward. Yeah.
0: I wanted to ask you, was: is, is there any part of you that just feels like, oh, man, I wish this guy had played basketball?
4: Because he was pretty good in basketball. Actually, he was great. I, he, and he got a, a number of scholarship offers. And, in fact, one of the most notable ones was Rick, Rick Barnes, the coach of Tennessee, recruited me at Davidson Davidson. He saw Garrett, came up to me, and said, Garrett's better than you. And, uh, and he, wanted, he, he offered Garrett a scholarship. Wow. So there's a part of me that would have loved if one of my sons would play basketball. He was All-State. So was my son Cameron in basketball. But, you know, they have to choose their own path. They have yeah. to find their own light. And um, in this case, he was right.
0: You, your dad, I'm, this isn't necessarily unbiased, but I think you're a pretty objective guy when you look at your, your son. Uh, how good is he? What is his ceiling? Do you think? Does he have a ceiling? I mean, we've all seen watch him play at Ohio State. His daring do, as I call it. Here, here's the
4: way I look at that. That's a great question. Uh, as an athlete, I think Garrett's a, a he's a phenomenal athlete. His athletic ceiling, though, will be he'll get stronger, he'll get uh, more knowledge. Um, so I think his athletic ceiling is still yet to be discovered. Yep. Um, I think he's he's got a ways to go and he'll he'll have a chance to compare himself against the very very best he's always met every challenge and I think he will meet the challenge this time
0: does, does it tell you something about him and his makeup that Cooper cup is a guy that he yeah it does aspires to I yeah. mean for one of another term I mean yeah. that, there's a guy that came the hard way, you know,
4: Correct. and uh, I, I, I like it though, because I think Gary, athletically speaking, I think I don't think anybody would argue he's probably more talented than Cooper cup, yeah. but the thing that makes Cooper cup great is his own, his technical ability. Right. I think this is the thing about him. He's a highly intelligent person. And I believe that, um, if he takes the opportunity to be as technically sound as Cooper cup with his athletic ability, I think it would make him great. And that's really what I hope for.
0: Yeah. Ken Wilson, man, he's one of my favorite guys. I've talked to him a couple of times, but finally got to talk to him in person. Yeah. Uh, and I know you agree with me 100% on that, right? You got to meet him.
1: Yeah, met the family. Uh, a couple of trips down there to Lake Travis, and uh, not too far from where my parents live. So, uh, doubled up down there. Um, in green? Yeah, I got to know that program a little bit, especially with Matthew Baldwin before that. Yeah. So, I, I remember going down for to do the story on Matthew Baldwin. and you know, going to watch uh, the state championship game where he wound up getting hurt. And I was like, Oh boy, like what's, what else is there going to, this is a big story. I'm going to cover that. He took, you know, the two snaps and that was it. I'm not, I'm
0: not smiling because Matt, because Matthew Baldwin got hurt. I'm smiling about what's coming. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, at that time, I uh, didn't follow all of the recruiting work that Burm did nearly as closely as I do now. And I, I've, grown to have a better appreciation for it over time. But so, well, what else am I going to watch in this game? I'm working on the story. I wrote it. I, you know, spent time with the family and I was going to still, and I wound up still spending more time with the Baldwin's after the game, uh, went with the family, you know, they all meet it uh, outside of at and stadium. There was a home Depot about a mile away. It's when you, you've been down in that area a lot of times, it's like a, yep. a gigantic spaceship in the middle of this strip mall and, you know, waiting for them. But I'm like, well, what That's else it. am I going to watch from this game? And, Garrett Wilson is just, he's keeping Lake Travis in it by himself. You know, sp- special teams, ridiculous catches. He made a catch in that game that I'll never forget that was exactly like the one he made in the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, it's triple coverage and he's soaring 10 feet in the air and coming down with it. I'm like, Burn, like, uh, Ohio State, like, is he got a, they have a real shot at this Garrett Wilson guy? And he's like, uh, yeah, he, you know, grew up in Dublin. It's like this, I'm like, he is, he's one of the best high school wide receivers I've ever seen. that was a junior. So, you know, got to that little anecdote, which worked out and, and being around, you know, a lot of those people in Lake Travis, great families, a fantastic program. Been down there a third time now uh, with Caleb Burton. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like if, if I have a, a home away from home program, it's down there, beautiful campus. And I get all their jokes about, you know, they only have a fifty only have a fifty yard indoor field that they doesn't don't feel like stacks up around what they should have or what other programs in Texas do. But I mean, it's a gorgeous place to go see a high school game, and there's always big time recruits there.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, down there the the indoor the indoor facilities they have at places like that, uh, are so they don't have to work out in the heat of the summer. You know what I mean? They're air conditioned because how much does it rain in Lake Travis? You know, in the, in October, not a whole lot. Uh, what a beautiful part of God's earth. Uh, I wanted to run this by you, though. This is what I was leading up to. How much do you think Ryan Day was beaming inside? Because he keeps that coach's face on pretty well. Watching the quarterback he sort of found and, re- and recruited. <laughs> yeah. Throw to these two receivers. Chris Olave, a lot of people, you know, he stole bases for the baseball team, and he was otherwise like sort of an unknown, yep. you know. Uh, where he came, I can't remember, ever can remember the name of his high school down in the San Diego area, California. And then uh, Garrett Wilson, you know, you talk about a, a team becoming a coach's own. It's when you get into that third and fourth year, and most of the players are players that were recruited while you were the head coach, yeah. while it was your staff, et cetera. And how much you think he was beaming? Because those three guys, you know, who jumped off the, the chart at you the other day, uh, just like they have the last couple of years. Um, wow. I mean, he's got to feel like he, you know, he's got to feel some kind of pride that he, helped, that he helped not only bring these guys along, but that he quote unquote
1: found them. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, his personal involvement in those recruitments are why you'd see sort of the competitive side of him start to show up. I talked to Cardale about this after they were done. Like, they started doing some stuff that wasn't on the script because Ryan Day said, well, we can do this and and push this route deeper down the field. Or CJ, you could make this throw. And like the tempo started picking up and it got to be like a practice. And I think that, you know, look, Ryan Day is not going to be able to do that forever. He's not going to be intimately involved in every marquee recruitment forever. He's not going to uh, be on the road permanently the same way that the assistants will be. He wants to be that CEO role at some point. He's also not going to be the same age and being out there actively leading those drills forever. That's just yeah. the fact of life. It's not not some sort of like end of the road thing. I'm just at some point, you're not going to be this at this point in your career doing all those things and having had the same relationships and been in the living same living room with those, you know, guys and their parents the way that he was with these three. And I I, I got that sense just watching it what you're talking about with his pride and then also uh, an ability to, to push those guys that, that others can't, I mean, Brian Hartline's obviously there, watching and, and involved in that. And I remember him watching, you know, film, or telling me the story of, of watching film on Chris Olave when he was still in the, you know, volunteer role and just watching film, like writing up a scouting report, all those guys played key roles in either the recruitment or the development or both or building offenses around them. And Yeah considering what a turbulent time this transition could have been or was depending on your perspective, the way that they've come out of it and the role that those three players have played or continue to play and those particular coaches, I mean, they have a lot to be proud of. And they're also not satisfied, obviously, with what happened last year, but it's still right. – they won a lot of games together and they want to send them out on, on the right note, and they, yeah. I think they all did. Well, that's my point. My point is you're not going to win every game. Even Alabama doesn't win every game, as they found
0: out. <laughs> Even Georgia doesn't win every game, as it found out. My, my point is, though, you know, people have to understand, I, I, I've said this many times, this is a golden era, man, when it comes to offensive football at the Ohio State University. The O stands for offense. <laughs> and, uh, and if people – I hope I, I know people, most people are getting that message – Doesn't mean you're going to win every game, but the show that's put on on a routine basis now, you know, is Broadway quality for one of another analogy. And uh, big-time Broadway quality. And the players have, you know, just like, you know, you just mentioned a guy a minute ago, a guy that uh, they went down and got Caleb Burton. You know, I don't know how, you know, with, with with the stack house at wide receiver right now, you know, is he going to get a shot to show? But all indications are he's pretty darn good in his own way yeah. Just like uh, Garrett Wilson is, just like uh, Chris Olave is, and they just keep coming in the front door, right? I mean, that's <laughs> not hyperbole. That's that's ac- that's an accurate assessment,
1: correct? Yep. I mean, what they've what they've built there with Ryan Day and Brian Hartline and Kevin Wilson and Corey Dennis and now Justin Fry, like you know, it it, it does start at the top there with those guys. It'd be foolish not to view it that way. He's in. Ryan Day was brought in to update, upgrade, enhance the offense for Urban Meyer, and he unequivocally did that. Yeah, and probably to a higher level than anybody could have reasonably anticipated. When you look at what's been going on in the last couple of years, uh, I mean, being the highest rated, highest scoring offense in the country doesn't happen by accident, and you can see why uh, that how appealing that success is to the top wide receivers in the country who want to play for Brian Hartline and the top quarterbacks in the country who we just talked about you know, early on in the podcast, why they want to play for Ryan Day and what this offense can do. I mean, it, it's not been done before at Ohio State, and this program has accomplished almost everything there is to do in college football, and yet it's breaking new ground on that side of the football, and somehow it can still even get better. Oh, yeah. That's just, it's hard to, it's hard to comprehend all that.
0: We're about to talk about that in, in brief uh, because I've got to get going here. You and I both have uh, places to go. People to see miles to go before we sleep miles to go before we sleep. One of the few poems I ever memorized, but I digress Two digresses. Uh, a guy named Sam block put up an interesting uh, tweet earlier this week. And it was, it was funny. Cause uh, he did an Ohio state uh, running back Mount Rushmore and, uh, and that's always, boy, you're really playing with the devil there when you when you got the devil by the tail, really, when you put one of those up. Because I remember I did a story many years ago, well, back I think 2009 or something like that, on a Mount Rushmore or Ohio State. Who would it be if you could put them up there? And I said, you know, the Givens, the Givens were Bill Willis, Chick Harley, and Woody Hayes. Who's that fourth guy? And of course the guy that got elected, I let the the, uh, readers of the dispatch uh, send in their votes and they elected uh, Jim Trussell. That was a year before, you know, 2010, if you follow my drift, you know, whether he would have still been elected. But the thing is, who do you, who is the fourth guy you put on there? Well, Sam Black has the, uh, uh, put up the Ohio State running back, Mount Rushmore. And his number one is Archie Griffin. Number two is Eddie George. Number three is Ezekiel Elliott. Number four is J.K. Dobbins. Now, of course, when you do that, Oh my goodness, the names you left out. And boy, the responses to his tweet were interesting because they started naming names like you wouldn't believe. And, uh, but I, you know, I'll throw up there. Archie Griffin won two Heisman Trophies and was the most prolific uh, uh, rusher in, I think, NCAA history when he graduated. Uh, Eddie George won uh, one Heisman Trophy in 1995, which was to that point the greatest rushing season in Ohio State history. CK yeah. Elliott had the greatest last five games of a season most uh, impactful that I can ever recall in 2014 when they ran to the, the national championship. He kind of helped everything weather the storm of JT Barrett getting hurt and Cardell Jones stepping in there. So you've got him. He he probably would have won the Heisman Trophy had been voted on after the whole year's over when it probably should be, right? And then J.K. Dobbins had the greatest rushing year uh, pro, you know, in terms of total yards in Ohio State history, almost being, almost a record that's been slept on, you know, I think, as you talk about the great prolific offenses we've seen in the last several years at Ohio State. But, you know, man, Keith Byers, in my opinion, had the greatest single season for eight games uh, his junior year. Uh, he couldn't – nobody could tackle him, you know, and, uh, and uh, pro- well, should have probably still won the Heisman that year, but uh, Doug Flutie won it. And then right on down the line, you could name another ten guys who would be in the running for that. But – it is folly a little bit, right? That Mount Rushmore only had four heads up on it because you could maybe the new route Rushmores have a, ought to have about six or eight when it comes to a place like Ohio State. What do you think?
1: Hey, they would have really been onto something back then if they were like, you know what, we're going to help people in 150 200 years make it a more heated debate, and we're just going to stick with four people on on the side of this mountain. Yeah, It's, you know five, six, so you you can cop out; it becomes too easy. Yeah. Go ahead, like the college football playoff. Go ahead now. That's right. You want to have some debate there for the final spot. You want and like I, I love JK, and yeah, he, he may be underrated in some respects, but putting in him in the top four at this point might be a little too much recency bias and a little bit overrated. Uh, I didn't even wasn't even watching as closely as you were with Keith Byers, um, but I know from having co- these conversations with other. Ohio state fans and media members and coaches and over the years that it would be a big mistake to overlook him in that top four. I think a guy who never gets enough attention in this and you look at the stats and you look at the impact, uh, Beanie was pretty damn special. Yep. What he did. I'd have a tough time, uh, removing him from that conversation. Um, well, but, Pepe Pearson had a hell, had a hell of a two years. Uh, uh, and, and a lot of people like Maurice Claret for Jim that. Spencer. Oh Yeah. Maurice yeah. threat,
0: exactly. I so mean, he scored the winning touchdown in the national championship game, helped get them there, and had one of the greatest takeaways, you know, high state football history when he grabbed the ball out of Sean Taylor's hands. Yeah. You know, and uh, but then, you know, Howard Hopalong-Cassie was a running back. They didn't play like they do now, you know. But uh, uh, i tell you what, we're going to have to wrap it up now, if you don't mind, uh, Austin. Because I've suddenly got an emergency phone call I've got to deal with. But, but, you know, those things are always good to debate, though. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah, we'll pick it up another time.
0: You got it, ladies and gentlemen. For Austin Ward, my co-pilot, this is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. We'll see you next week.